do love and appreciate you tonight. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord. We want to be better in the things we do for the kingdom. And I pray tonight, God, that you'll help us, instruct us, and guide us by your hand, by your spirit. Lord, bless everything that's done here tonight. Let it be pleasing to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Praise God. You can, you can be seated. Um, this has been something that I have uh, been wanting to do, and some of you know that I've mentioned it in the times past over and over, and it just seems like it seemed to always keep getting pushed back, and that's my fault. I mean, it, just being busy and doing things, and um, but I, I really felt just impressed that I couldn't just put this off anymore, that we needed to uh, start having these meetings at least once a month. We may even sometimes do them twice a month, depending on what we're trying to do. But I feel like, uh, you know, as ministry, that we want to be the best that we can be for the kingdom. Uh, and being in ministry, you have to take, you know, responsibility for that. If, if you feel like God has put a call on your life, well, that's great. Uh, but God is not going to uh, just do everything for you. He expects I think some people think because he says, you know, I'm the potter and you're the clay, that um, he's just going to make everything happen and come to pass in your life. But we, we know there's too much scripture that teaches us that we have to do our part. And I want to make sure that um, people understand that ministry is, is so important and vital and uh, for the work that has to be done here before he returns. If if ministry was just ignored, the church would dry up and die. Um, and that doesn't mean there wouldn't be still people in a in a ministry role, but there would be no ministry coming forth because people speak to crowds all the time, but they're not ministering. And people counsel with other people all the time, but they're not ministering. And so ministry is more than just what you say. It's what's behind what you're saying. It's the intent in which you do it with, and it's the uh, anointing or the call that's on you that makes the difference. Uh, even when the Scripture said that, uh, and I'll get into this Scripture a little further along, but it said, how can they hear without a preacher? Well, anybody could talk to, to a crowd he said, but I need a preacher so faith can be expressed. You know, I, I, you know there's all kind of charismatic leaders and uh, special speakers and you know, uh, motivational speakers, things like that. They make a living out of it. But uh, for people to be changed, to be saved, to be complete, to be perfected, God gave something, and he gave ministry. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers their, that fivefold ministry. And uh, but tonight, uh, in this initial, I guess, kickoff, you know, meeting of these these sorts, we'll cover a lot of different things over time. We'll different areas um, that will help us all be better at you know listening to the Lord, hearing what He's got to say to us, helping others because that's the ultimate uh, goal of ministry is to help other people. And, um, and we want to be able to do that. So there's going to be some training. Sometimes we may watch 
you know, may not be anybody speaking on, may watch a video, a training video, something on a topic that we need to cover um, so we can just get better at being the ministry that God has called us to be. We want to be the best. I want to be the best at what God's called me to be. I love doing this, uh, serving the Lord and, and doing what I do for the kingdom of God. But I know that without him, I can do nothing. And so uh, I've got to treat this as the treasure that it is. And that is what each person must do. In this day and age, I feel like ministry has become, uh, in, to some and to some extent, it, it has become, uh, I don't really know, really know the word I'm looking for, but people treat it like something, hey, I, I'm just going to decide to do that. I, I, hey, I think I'll be a preacher. And, uh, and, they, and they use it as a platform to just say what's on their mind or get their point across instead of actually having being called and being sent, and which is what Paul said. He said, how can uh, they you know, preach except they be sent? They've got to yeah. be sent by God. I can't just wake up one day and say, you know what? I think I can just do good as I was at. I think I'll start preaching and then just get up and start saying things across the pulpit and not realize how dangerous that can be if you take, you know, it, it, it's just like if a person took, uh, has no idea about how to, to behave or handle a loaded gun and is just swinging around and just pulling the trigger and stuff, well, he's going to kill somebody yeah. and has no idea. That's why in, in everything we do, there's training, there's driver training because people need to know how to drive, how to be safe so they don't hurt people. They, there's hunter safety courses so that you learn not to just shoot through the bushes and or you learn things to protect yourself and others. And so if, if you just decide, hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to preach and get up and take the most powerful uh, force that, that we have, this word of God, this two-edged sword, and start swinging it, well, you're going to hurt yourself and hurt others. And so we, we want to be the best at what we're going to do. But number one, first, uh, what, there's something that from way back, and, and I'll, I'll say this too, you, you've got to learn to listen to the, the elder voices in your life. One thing that was big years ago, and I, I feel like maybe it's starting to come back around, but it, it seemed like it got lost for a while, was that uh, the respect and the honor that was given to our elders and ministers who were above us. And I'm not just talking about people who were pastors and priests. I'm talking about people who, uh, because everybody has some form of ministry, but just those that went before us appreciating what they had learned and not treating them like they're out to pasture. Uh, we miss vital, vital, uh, you know, aspects of faith and, and through their testimonies and stuff. When we just push them aside, put them in a corner, give them their own seniors group and let them just let the senior people stay together. And we never listen to all the wisdom that comes from these older people. And, you know, my pastor was in his 80s when he passed, but, you know, I, I hung on every word he said, uh, uh, his lifestyle, the way he carried himself, the way he was. And, and the Bible says that double honor should be given to those that labor in the word like that, and, and he did. And so uh, I didn't worship my pastor, but I honored him yeah. and uh, by listening to him, taking his advice, trusting that he was my watchman on the wall, uh, if, if you don't have confidence in some ministry above you, 
you'll never be able to effectively minister to other people. You've got to believe that somebody else is watching your back and watching for your soul. And I knew I had a pastor that could do that. But one of the very first things in the scriptures that and he used to, uh, he would mention this in some of our ministers' meetings, and I wanted to start off with this scripture tonight, was in 1 Timothy 3 and 1, uh, which is a tremendous, and I'm sure we'll hear a lot out of First and Second Timothy throughout some of these meetings because Paul gave such uh, great instruction to this uh, minister that was under his uh, care and authority. But First Timothy three and one, Paul said, "This is a true saying: If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work." Well, the word there, the key word there is desire, uh, because a bishop, of course, is someone who is in a supervisory role over the church, in the church, over a local assembly. A bishop is, if you look the word up, study that, that's what it's talking about. But the principle here for ministry applies to whether it's apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Uh, If there is no desire, uh, it will never work. You can't, you know... Nobody wants to go, you know, or if you have a, I use jobs a lot, but if you have a job that you just hate and you don't desire to be there, and you'll look for every opportunity to call in sick. I can't wait till I get another vacation day. I'm getting off here. Always looking for another job because you just don't desire to be there. Uh, you won't do your best work because you just don't desire to be there. You know, if you, know, if you knew you were a heart surgeon, but you couldn't find a job, and the only thing you could do was flip hamburgers at McDonald's, you wouldn't care if they burn or not because you're just like, I know that this is not my calling and, it's not, and I just don't have any desire to do this, so I don't care. Fire me, whatever. I'll just get another job. You know, That's the way you would look. But we must have a, a constant desire toward this ministry. And if we desire it, that word desire, when you look at it in the, in the Greek, it means to stretch yourself or to reach out after, or to long for, or to covet after. And so there's going to be some times where you're going to, if you stretch yourself, you're going to have to go past your limits that you're used to to be the minister that you want to be. It can't just be, oh, awesome. I've got the title, you know, reverend now. You know, my, my pastor, he didn't even like that title. He didn't like for people to call him reverend. He said, you know, I just... He just, he just, he was so humble. He just, he knew who he was. He knew what God called him to do, to pastor and to preach. But he, he wasn't all about titles and, and cards and organizations and licenses and stuff like that. And, and there's nothing wrong with licenses and organizations, but he just was, I know that God's called me to preach the gospel, and that's what he did. And, but if you're going to be, you listen to me now, if you're going to be effective in ministry, whatever it is, and especially you that are here that, uh, that teach classes, teach Bible studies, that speak across this pulpit, that, that have a, a role in this church, uh, you will never, ever go past where your level of desire is at. You will always, uh, you know, without desire, it just will never work. And, it, and then not only that, you desire. Now, desire alone is not enough. You've got to act on those desires. If you, you know, if you desire something, you can desire it all day long and never have it if you don't do something about it. Oh, I desire to be out of debt, but I keep spending every dime I got. You'll never be out of debt. The desire is there. It's just as real. It's just as 
powerful. You want that. Oh, yes, I desire it. Well, guess what? <laughs> You'll stay in debt until you do something about it. And, oh, I want to be the best preacher I can be. I want to be the best minister I can be. Well, you will never improve. You will never learn if you don't do something about it. If you're not studying, if you're not praying, if you're not fasting, if you're not uh, working on your ministry, the Bible says we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Well, let me tell you, ministry is what helps bring salvation around, helps keep you saved. And if you're going to effectively help anybody else, how can you know, that, how awful and embarrassing it is to be unprepared when you know somebody needs some ministering to, and I don't feel like I am up to the task. Uh, because, you know, how awful it would be. Uh, and, and I've told some of the guys that preach here, I said, you know, you never went to church. You never walked in those doors not ready to preach. You may not be on the schedule to preach that day, but you, it wasn't like we, we, for a while we didn't even have a schedule. You didn't know whether you were preaching or not until the service was going, not, hey, I'll meet you at the door and it's three hours before service starts, go study a little bit in the Sunday school room or something. No, I'm talking about sitting on the platform, you know, going through song requests and the pastor goes, and go ahead and say, why don't you preach today? Well, there's two songs left and I've got to preach. You ain't got no notes. You know, you, you, it's like, but that was it. You Because... If you're a preacher, it's not about being scheduled. It's not if you're a minister. It's not about you're a minister. That's what you do. You're on. You know, people always talk. Well, pastors on call twenty four seven. Every minister's on call twenty four seven. Every saint of God, we never quit that. And if we have a call on our life to preach the gospel, then we have to be ready to preach. It's like Paul and them, they, they travel and they run into people. Hey, oh, I came up on a group of John's disciples. Hey, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe not? Hey, where's a good place to eat in this town? What do y'all do for a living? He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, we ain't even heard if it be a Holy Ghost. Well, it's time to preach. And he starts preaching, people getting baptized, people getting the Holy Ghost because he was ready then. Hey, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go study. I'm going to get a word from the Lord, and I'll be back in a week. No, it wasn't like that. It was He was ready right then and there, but Paul desired that. He, he had a desire now because he had been so on the far end of the spectrum of serving God, really. He, he thought he was doing right, but he was persecuting the church, so now his desire was to make up ground. He said, I'm going to be, I may be the least of the apostles, I may be the chiefest of sinners, but I'm going to fight a good fight. I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to keep the faith. I'm going to uh, preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it's the power of God and salvation. He just went, he, didn't, he, he was disputing with people. He was proving things he, uh, in peril of his own life. Simply, listen, if Paul had no desire, I'm telling you, he ain't going to be beat five times. That's going to be once and I'm out of here. <laughs> he ain't hitting me with rods three times. Uh, one time I'm out of here. I ain't getting back on another boat and being shipwrecked again. But see, it was desire to see the gospel, so he just kept going and kept going and kept going. So it must be desire, and it cannot be infatuation with the pulpit. It cannot be infatuation with the pat on the back. It's, it's not for income. It's not to be seen. It just must be a pure desire to do what God wants accomplished in this world, for us to preach the gospel 
to feed his sheep and to reach the lost. That's what God wants us to do. Any other motive than desire, it will not stand up under the fiery trial that you are sure to endure when you minister for the gospel. If there is any other motive than pure desire to work for the kingdom of God, it will not stand up. It just won't do it. I I remembered um, in the front of one of my Bibles, and I I looked it up to make sure I had the date, but uh, Brother Philip Fuller, and my kids know Brother Fuller, and I don't guess nobody else here knows Brother Fuller, but uh, he's passed away now. He actually passed away uh, when we landed in South Africa on our 2015 trip. I got a phone call that he had just passed away. And, I mean, I was walking off the plane when I got the phone call. And, uh, well, I guess Bianca and him know Brother Fuller. Remember Brother Fuller from Brother Everhart's. But, but he said this in one of our, well, he was preaching on a Sunday morning back in October of 2000. And I wrote this down in the front of my Bible back then. But it said, he said, desire to serve and see Jesus will keep you going. Without desire, something from the world or your past will pull you away. And so the principle there, of course, he was preaching to people about staying in the church and being part, but it, it applies in ministry. If you lose the desire to minister, then you will stop doing the things that will make your ministry effective. Uh, without desire, you know, it's just like if you uh, desire to be physically fit and, and so you're working out and you're excited, but if you lose that desire to work out, well, you'll stop. And now things will start reverting. Uh, you'll start losing uh, the muscle that you had gained and you got that muscle because you were committed you worked out you ate right but if you stop eating right and you stop working out things start going in reverse you you don't no longer have the same strength that you had before and and if you i I hadn't worked out in six months and you jump up under 300 pounds on that bench well you're fixing to eat it because you might think you're gonna be like samson i'm gonna go out like i did always did and not realize that the lord ain't with you and you you and you fixing to get it your desire to do it, uh, you, or you may think you've got it, but you quit. You can't, oh, I'll just be this strong forever. Anybody that works out knows when you're working out constantly, you're getting stronger and you do your max days. And that's my max, that's my max. But stop for six months or a year, and you know that you will not be able to do your max if you just walked right back in the gym and said, okay, hey, I did 400 last year. Let's put that on there. And visitation will be on. Yeah, because... Well, you're going to kill yourself in the pulpit. You're going to kill yourself in the ministry, and you're going to uh, be against your own self. And 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 listen, there's nothing, no greater uh, hurt than to to fail in ministry. It's not something that that is it has to kill you forever. But when you fail and make mistakes in ministry, it hurts. It it, it hurts others, but it, it hurts you if you really care about what you're doing, and you, you'll realize it. And, and hey, believe it or not, it, you'll make mistakes sometimes, uh, but they're not there to just take you out. You learn from those things. That's why you need examples. You need elders and other people so you can hear and not only learn from what they got right, but learn from what they got wrong. And, you know, many people don't like to tell what they got wrong, but during some of these lessons, I'll tell you some things where I thought I was right on it, but uh, found out I wasn't. And it didn't have to happen but once. <laughs> and I didn't make that mistake again. But, you know, uh, so you, you realize that 
this is a walk. It's part of my walk. I want to be perfect, as perfect as I can be. But there are times where I will trip and fall. If a good man falls, you know what? That, that, that means people who are ministers. It's not just, well, the preachers, and they don't never fall. But if good men, you know, saints of God, they, you know, they'll, they'll slip up and fall. But the preacher, the pastor, they, they don't ever make mistakes. Well, that's wrong. And don't put that on them. Don't, don't make them out to be something that they're not because they're human, flesh and blood like everybody else, and they have to strive every day to stay right and walk with God just like you do. Now, uh, one thing about this, this, along with this desire, is that we, we have to be serious now. Listen, you've got to be serious about fulfilling your ministry. It can't be casual. It, it, it's, oh, man, I, yeah, man, a few years ago somebody come up, you know, gave me a word in the altar, told me I was called to preach. Well, I'm going to say a couple of things about that. Make sure it wasn't just them calling you. Because if you don't feel it, it don't matter who told you you was called to preach. You will feel it if you are called to preach. If you are called to minister, you cannot get away from it. Uh, when I felt the, that God was doing that in my life, of course, I wanted to preach. I'm, I'm telling you, when I got up from that altar that night and got out of that water, I thought, I ain't got nothing else I want to do but preach. I want to tell somebody else about this. I wanted it, and I knew it. And when I felt that God was actually pulling me in that direction, I talked to a guy about it, a young minister, and he said, well, I'll just tell you, just like um, it was told to me. I got cement in my hair. I'm sorry. Um, I was in there watching him work today, and I think he slung some concrete on me. Anyway, uh, he said, if you are really called, Brother Ed, he said, you will never, he said, you will get no rest until you acknowledge it and until you act on it. He said, if you try to deny it, you try to run from it, you try to get away from it, he said, uh, and, and push it away, he said, God will not leave you alone. It will always haunt you if you don't do something about it. And it was, it, it was true. I knew it. I could feel it. It was with me all the time. I knew that God wanted I didn't know what, but I knew that God was calling me into the ministry, and I wanted it to be preaching the word so bad, and, and thankfully that's what it was. But if it had been, hey, I'm calling you to mop the floor ministry, then I'd have been mopping the floor because I just wanted to serve the kingdom, and I'd have been the best floor mopper you've ever seen because I would have done it with everything that's in me. Because if you are called to ministry, you do it with your might. It's not casual. It's not always hip. I, it's something I can post on, about me in my Facebook status or something. It's, this is something that God, the God of all creation, the living God, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God has entrusted me to preach his gospel, to tell his story, to let somebody know that uh, he loves them. So I must be serious about fulfilling my ministry. I must be deliberate about fulfilling my ministry. We have to understand how serious and vital that ministry is. We have to count the cost. Jesus talked about that. Uh, there's some scripture in Luke 14 where he begins to talk to uh, people there around him. Of course, his disciples are there with him. And in Luke 14 and 16, he begins to talk about uh, the great supper that this uh, king had made, that this master had made, and said that he bade many people to come to it. So he sends his servants out at supper time, says, go get all those people that were bidden, the ones that I gave a call to. Now, I know that this is talking about 
and, and make it reference to the la that, that great marriage supper of the Lamb. I know what he's talking about in this part of the parable. But the principle there that we're going to find is this, is that when they came back and said all those who were bidden said, I got this excuse, I got that excuse. One guy said, you know, hey, uh, I bought a piece of ground. I've got to go see it, so excuse me. I bought five yoke of oxen. i got to prove them, excuse me. I took a wife, you know, uh, and so I cannot come. And they came back and told the Lord all this stuff. It said he got angry. He was upset that this was so lightly esteemed, that this great, all this I've gone through and this invitation is so so remarkable, but it has been so lightly esteemed, and he was upset. He said, so now go uh, find anybody, highways, hedges, get somebody and bring them in um, so, that the, so that the place can be full, and they did that. And he said, but listen, none of those men that were bidden will taste of my supper. And, you know, that's why I do not want to ignore and lightly esteem the call because uh, I do not want God angry. And if, if that call to salvation uh, and that, you know, coming to that upsets him because people just refuse him after what he's went through to provide this, Think about what he went through to give you and me, people who were not worthy, the opportunity to preach his word, tell his story, to see people saved. And if we ignore that or if we treat it lightly or be like, I appreciate the offer, um, you know, but I, I've got to do something else. I've got to do something else. Listen, uh, we cannot make a habit of making excuses. The master in this uh, story was angry uh, at those who were bidden but did not come. I don't want to make excuses about my ministry. Uh, when uh, I remember uh, Brother Johnny Peacock, I listened, like I said, I used to just bend the ear of any minister I could because I wanted to know what do I do, how do I get better, how do I, you know, what what I need to be doing. And, he, and one thing he told me, he said, if you are ever, he said, anytime you're asked to preach, go. He said, don't never turn an invitation down. Anytime you're asked to speak at your church or another place, he said, take every opportunity and do it. He said, because it will only help you uh, to, to get better, to prepare. And if you know that there's an opportunity that, hey, I might walk in and, and I might have to preach today, you'll keep, if you really care about it, you'll always be studying. You'll always be looking in God's Word. You'll always be doing everything you can to be ready. So that you, you're not caught off guard, and that, and that's the way I was. And I never turned down a single opportunity until the first time I ever told somebody I cannot come was after we started pastoring, and it was because I just couldn't get away from where God had already put me. Somebody wanted me to come and minister. It was on Easter Sunday. I'm like, man, we're you know we've got our own church now and doing this, and I just cannot come and do that. I uh, just can't do it. So. Um, so, you know, if you have other engagements, yeah, you may not be able to, you can't, take, you can't be in two places at once. So, you know, that, but what I'm telling you is that you've got to be committed to it and you must realize that, hey, I've got to do, I can't make excuses. I can't say, well, you know, I, you know, I, I can't be there because of this. They, I realize that there are times where things are unavoidable and things happen. I realize people uh, have vacations and they go out of town or they work. I, I get all these things, but these people just making excuse. That's what the Lord's trying to show them. They're making excuses. This is the greatest opportunity. Treat your ministry 
with more respect and more honor and more dedication than anything else you do in your life. Yeah, than anything. It's got to be more important than any job, any hobby, any relationship. This is, this is the kingdom of God. This is eternity. This is what's eternal. You know, and people say, well, what about marriage? Okay, what about marriage? I'm called to preach the gospel. If my spouse decided she wasn't going to serve the Lord anymore or wasn't going to do something more, I'm not, I can't stop preaching. Or, and if she were to say, if you don't stop preaching, I'm going to leave you. Well, I can't stop preaching because this is God. This is not a job. This is not, hey, I don't like you being a police officer because I'm scared you're going to get killed. So if you don't quit being a police officer, I'm going to leave you. Well, I'll find another job. I don't, I'm not going to lose my family over a job, but I don't, I don't lose my family at all. But I can't walk away from the call that God's put on my life. This is now, you know, the good thing is that we rarely, rarely, rarely will ever see that situation. Um, but it has, I have seen it over my time in the years. I've seen men who did stop preaching and, uh, you know, even, uh, even backslid and got out of church because their wife did. Their wife got out of church and they didn't like him going to church and doing the things he was doing, so eventually he got out. And uh, they'll talk to God about that. I, I'm not judging them, I'm just saying, I can't do that. You can do, you've got to treat this like this is, hey, this is the greatest honor that anybody can have on this planet is to preach the gospel of Christ, to really be called by the Lord and to preach the gospel. So it has to be serious. It, it can't be casual, uh, you know, world, worldly, a fad kind of church kind of thing. It's got to be this is the real apostolic call of God on my life to preach the true gospel, to see people born of water and the spirit, to see them make it to heaven one day. I have been entrusted with that. If you can't be serious about it, then don't do it. Make a decision. Count the cost. That's what we were going to next where I was talking about where Jesus said, now you've got to count the cost. And he said there went great multitudes with him. He turned and said, if any man comes to me and he does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. Uh, he said he cannot uh, be my disciple. Now, that doesn't mean I got to hate people. What he was saying is that uh, our commitment to God and to love him will make devotion to natural things seem like hatred. We've got to love him so much that everything else does take a back seat. I know that's tough because we're human and we're tied up in emotions. But uh, you think about how these disciples started when the Lord called them, said, come and follow me, and they just left their families, dropped their nets, and walked away from their families. Peter had a wife, but for three and a half years at least, while he walked and followed the Lord, how many times did he see her? I don't know if he had kids. He had a wife. I'm assuming he had kids, but it, it doesn't even mention them, but... Um, but, you know, John and, and they, they just walked away from their dad, walked away from the family business, just left and followed the Lord. Walked away, left it. And because it was so important to them to do this thing, and then they stayed with him. They were right there with him. They listened to him, obeyed him, did what he said, you know, made mistakes, all the things that went on at, that we read about. And we only read a fraction of probably what actually, well, I know it's got to be just a fraction of what actually happened. You know, 
we, you know, and some of it's just repeat because it's in all four Gospels. But uh, what about the things we don't even read about? We don't even know what all they went through, but the only reason they did is because of two words, follow me. And they started following him, and that was so important. So their commitment to him, it made everything else look like just second place because they wanted to do what he wanted them to do. Peter would never be handed the keys to the kingdom if he had not stayed with the Lord and followed him. They didn't, he didn't pull them and make them. He said, follow me. Now you decide, is this important enough for me to leave everything else behind so I can do what God called me to do? If, it, if you can't make that decision, if you can't say this is going to be my life, if, if, if you can't say I'm going to commit myself, this, then just don't pick it up. Just don't pick it up because you'll do more damage trying to halfway do it than actually committing to it and really doing it. You cannot be double-minded. The scripture says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so if, if you're half in the world and half in the ministry, everything suffers. You, you, you make yourself a laughing stock. We, we have to count the cost. So he said, you, you, if you don't do these things, you can't be my disciple. Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, he, he didn't say minister, pastor. No. Uh, well, every minister is a disciple. Yeah. So we're in there. Which of you intendeth to build a tower, sits not down first, counts the cost to see if he has sufficient to finish it? Or lest happily after he has laid the foundation... And then he's not able to finish it. All that behold it begin to mock him. You don't want to all of a sudden jump up and say, yes, yes, yep, I'm a, I'm a preacher. That's me. I'm a minister. I'm called to the, the ministry. You get up. Somebody comes to you in the revival service and says, God's going to take you across this land and you're going to preach in churches all over the place. And you're like, yeah, that's it. That's great. But you don't really feel it. It's just I'm just going to take them at their word. And I, I'm going to jump up and say, I'm a preacher. And I'm going to try to jump in the pulpit, and I'm stumbling and stuttering and doing stuff, and I'm making a mess, and all of a sudden I, I go home and I realize I'm not called to preach, and everybody thinks, what are you doing? And you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, so I can't even go back to church because I've made such a mess. Now you're backslid, you're out of church, you don't know what to do, all because you tried to take something on that is so serious and you had no business doing it. It'd be like somebody, uh, you, you stuck in a, you, you walk into a hospital and, and everybody say, hey, we need a doctor in here. This person's dying. And, and Hey, are you a doctor? Well, no, but I'll give it a shot. Well, they come in there and you've got them cut wide open and their heart's laying on the floor. And uh, Well, I tried. Are you a doctor? No, I never held a scalpel in my life. Then what are you doing? Well, I just figured, you know, I just, it can't be that hard. I've watched plenty of doctor shows on TV. I figured, you know, you just grab a scalpel, holler stat two or three times, somebody's going to live, you know. But no, it don't. And so you can't just get in a pulpit and holler hallelujah four or five times and, and scream, you know, the devil's a liar and then expect that, well, that made me a preacher. It don't. It's got to be something more than that. So, um, so we must count the cost. We've got to be able to know what's going on. Jesus went on to say in this toward the end, uh, he said, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? 
You want to tell you, I'll tell you when you lose your salt, it's when you lose your desire. If your desire is not there, you lose your salt, your saltiness. You're not, you've lost your savor. And so he said, salt, which that's us. He said, with the light of the world and salt of the earth, that's us. When we lose our ability to be effective in the ministry that we're called to, whether it be pulpit ministry, prayer ministry, choir ministry, it doesn't matter what, if it, in ministering to people, when we lose our savor, we can no longer be effective. And when we lose that, a tasteless, he's, basically what he's saying is that now it's not, it's not fit for the land or even for the dunghill. It's not even good for where the waste, the stinky waste goes. He said, but men cast it out. He said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Hear what Jesus is saying. He is telling us that a tasteless, bland disciple is rendered unfit for unfettered service by competing cares and distractions of this world. We have become worthless. That's why we do not entangle ourselves in the affairs of this world because it will get your desire somewhere else. When you get tangled up in politics, your desires go from saving people to really helping people to proving your point. Preachers in politics don't mix. Now, there are some preachers that will tell me, I don't believe that. Okay, don't. I don't believe you. When you say preachers in politics do mix, I don't believe that because I never saw Jesus being political. I never said, I said, so I'm just going, all I heard Paul say is that, hey, you know what? I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm not going to pre- preach about Republicans and Democrats. That's things that we have to work out in our ourselves, and, and I believe that we ought to pray about that stuff. But it ain't got no business here. I, I, there ain't no campaigning going on across that pulpit. And, and, and you can believe me or not, but I will stand up and stop somebody if they ever got in that pulpit and started campaigning and talking about, I'll be like, okay, that's it, man. Good, you had a good run, but you're out because you're not going to talk about politics and who you're voting for from my pulpit because that's not getting nobody saved. How you vote is not going to save your soul. You know, and, and, and who, you know, uh, hey, you know what? I'm all for gun rights, but gun rights ain't going to save our soul. I'm not, it's, that's not it. There's a place for that kind of stuff. It's in the world and it'll be worked out there, but it's not going to be worked out in here. Yeah. And so all you that's ministering in this church, just know, don't let me hear you preaching politics. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull your coattail. That's what they used to say to the pastors when we'd be preaching. Say, Pastor, I get out of line, just tug my coattail. You know, that was a, a way of say I'm under your, you know, authority here. You let me know if I get out of line. And I'm telling you, because it don't help nobody. You can discuss it with your people after church. You can discuss it even on your Facebook page if you want to, if you want that kind of fight. But I'm telling you that in here, it's got to be all about him. This room where you see right here, this is our arena. This is where uh, whenever we are called to minister, this is where we do what God has called us to do. When we walk in here, it's not about silliness. It's not about fun and games and it's not that we don't have joy and and have great times and all kind of wonderful good stuff but when you're in here when we come walking in this room 
man, we've got to know that I am here. It's, if it's Sunday morning, it's Sunday. I'm about to preach the word or I'm about to, uh, you know, if you're not preaching that day, okay. You ought to be praying for somebody. You ought to be ready to speak a word of faith to somebody. You ought to be ready to minister in some form of capacity because just being a preacher doesn't mean, well, he didn't tell me I was preaching this week, so I'm not going to read or study or pray this week. That's why they used to say, hey, can you give me about two weeks' notice? Why? So you can wait till the Saturday night before Sunday to get ready? No, you just be ready because you don't know. And if you, if you want to step in that pulpit unprepared and embarrass yourself, you go right ahead or stay prepared. Yeah. Because if you really care that God called you to preach, then you'll study, you'll pray, and you'll seek God. But if it's just like, wow, yeah, I, I like when he asked me to preach because I always like when he says, hey, let's welcome one of our young preachers up here or let's, let's welcome this young lady up here. So I just like when the pastor says that. And then I get up there and go, uh, um, and he said, and, um, and, man, come on. It's got to be more than that. I'm not telling you, hey, you know what? I, I, I get nervous every Sunday morning still. And I'm glad I do. I hope I never lose that, that nervous feeling because I always want to be right on with the Lord. But I do know that this is what he's called me to do. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of both of it because I'm nervous, but yet I know where I'm at and I know what's about to happen. And as soon as I get up there and I feel, as I used to say, I feel my help coming. I, as soon as I feel the Lord, I know, okay, uh, here we are. Let's do what, what we're supposed to do. But hey, Somebody said one time, said, well, look, you can't even preach without the Holy Ghost, without the anointing. And his brother Peacock again, Johnny Peacock, he said, oh, he said, I beg to differ. He said, you can. He said, but it ain't no fun at all. And let me tell you something. There ain't nothing more stressful, and it seems like an eternity, you ever try to jump up somewhere and minister, and you know that God ain't helping you. Oh, no, you, you chose this on your own. So you're going to stutter and stumble and flip and flop, and uh, we'll talk about it when you get done. <laughs> so you can't preach without the anointing, but it stinks. It ain't no fun. So you want to make sure that you're uh, in a place where you are ready to do what God wants you to do. So along with counting the cost, now we've, that, that lets me know that I am here to follow him, and I am here to keep a commitment. Ministry, if there's one word that definitely ties to it, it is commitment. You cannot uh, be a minister without commitment. You have to be committed to the Lord. Uh, in Luke chapter 9, I don't run too long on you guys. Uh, in Luke chapter 9, in verse 50, from verse 57 down to 62, the Lord said, And it came to pass as they went in the way that a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee wherever. Ever you go. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He says unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So there's three different potential disciples right here. And each one of them 
did something that, that kept them from actually following the Lord. The first one was he was, too, he was over-eager. He was, he was too zealous, and he was not counting the cost. He did not realize. He, he saw the Lord coming. Hey, let me follow you, Lord. That's, that's Jesus. Let me follow the miracle worker. I don't even have anywhere to lay my head. Oh, really? I would thought a miracle worker probably had a nice place to stay, getting all the benefits, all the good food. No, we sleep in the desert. We get threatened with, you know, they threaten our lives, and people don't believe us. We get, you know, mocked and people plotting against us. We get betrayed, and, you know, yeah, it's, it's a lot of walking. Okay. He wasn't counting the cost. He's just ready to jump up in there. But he never falls, uh, takes off falling the Lord. With the next one, he's like, uh, hey, listen, I, I, the Lord says, follow me. He says, but let me first go and bury my dead. But listen, the call that Jesus gives must take precedent over anything else. That's why I'm saying that's why the Lord said, let the dead go bury the dead. He said, you go preach the kingdom. I called you to preach the kingdom and you're like, let me go do this. Let me go, go do that. And that's what the Lord's saying. When I give you a call, it's got to take precedent over anything else. You've got to make sure. Now, hey, listen, he understands. But they're, they're in a place, he said, where he's telling him, follow me now. He said, I got to go somewhere. I got to leave you for a little bit so I can take care of something. And God's like, you don't walk away from ministry. You, you, you answer the call or you don't. I'm not going to drag you. I'm not going to stop and wait on you to get back. I'm going to keep moving. So when you, you go bury your dead, but when you come back, I won't be standing right here. I'll be somewhere else. You'll have to try to find me. You need to answer the call. And then uh, this one says, you know, he's kind of like uh, Elisha did with Elijah. You know, he threw that mantle on him, and he wanted to go home first. He wanted to go back and see all his people. Well, okay, and so he's like, what have I done to you? Whatever, you know, come on. But the Lord's telling him, listen, if you put your hand on this plow, because he said, I will go. I'm going to preach. I'm going with you. I'm going to follow you. He said, if you say that and you start looking back longing for that life that you had before, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. And people are like, I don't like them scriptures, Pastor. Well, that's the Lord's words, not mine. And, and I don't want to say, I will follow you and I will preach this word, but always looking back, always looking over my shoulder, always wishing that I could go back to something else. Because you can't, the, the, the imagery is that, you know, a man with a plow, his hand to the plow, you can't plow that garden right. You can't. Uh, plow a straight row while you're always looking back. You, your garden's going to be a mess. You can't see. Your animals could be walking right toward a pit. You can't even tell where they're going because you're not looking. You're all over the place. So I want to make sure that I am uh, committed, that I, I'm keeping my desire where I need to be. I'm counting the cost. And that now that I've got my hand to the plow, I'm not looking back. So... Uh, I know, like I say, in this first meeting, this is kind of to kind of provoke your mind and your heart to examine yourself. Am I really called to minister this word? Because if I'm not, that's fine. But if you are, 
then it takes dedication. It takes commitment. You have to do that. Second Peter 1 and 10, he said, Wherefore the rather, brethren, you give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. So he gives you a recipe for success, really. Number one, you've got to be diligent in making your calling and election sure. If God called you, then you need to make that election. You can't say, oh, I'm sure he called me. That's not what he's talking about. I'm sure I heard him call me. Okay. But he said, make that calling sure. When you make something sure, you, you make it stable. You make it steadfast. You make it firm. If you have a load uh, on your truck bed, and uh, you know what you do? You make that load sure so it doesn't spill off or doesn't fall out or doesn't tip over. And, and not only you lose, but it also causes an accident and hurts somebody else. And that's, that's what happens if we don't make our calling and election sure. We're going to have an accident. And somebody's going to be uh, going to have to pay for it. Somebody's going to be hurt by it. That's why we make our calling and election sure. And he said, if you will be diligent and do that, then you'll never have to. You know, you won't have to worry about your ministry being a source or your calling being a source of you falling. You may fall because you make a mistake in something else, but your ministry will be all right. It won't be your ministry that's causing you to fall. It may be your flesh. And you, you know, cussing somebody out or telling them off or, you know, cutting them off in traffic or being bitter at somebody. You may, you may have something else that hinders you, but you're calling that call. Make it sure. The word also, uh, there's a word called basility. And I had to look this up because I have never even heard this word. But uh, the word sure means like uh, basility. It's B-A-S-A-L-I-T-Y, Basility. It's in your, if you look in your Strong's Concordance, you look this up, you'll see that. But when I looked it up to figure out what all this meant, Basility means of or relating to or being essential for maintaining the fundamental vital activities of an organism. And so when he's saying we need to make our calling and election sure, he's like, you've got a responsibility to make sure that you are doing whatever it takes, that you are doing the things that are essential to maintain the fundamental vital activities of ourself, of our ministry, and the body of Christ. That's, all that comes out of that one little word. When Peter said, make your calling and election sure, he said, you've got to do the things that are essential well, let me tell you, I promise you that it is essential to pray if you are in ministry. Yeah. It is essential to fast right. if you are in ministry. It is essential to be giving if you are in ministry, not just money, but of your time and of yourself. You, you've got to uh, have uh, study time. You've got to be in the Word of God. You can't uh, say, well, I'm a minister, but never spend any time in the Word. How can a preacher never read their Bible? Yeah, come on. How can a preacher never listen to anybody else preach? You know, we've got to do things to better ourselves. You know, we we go to, man, there's ministry conferences, there's online trainings, there's all kinds of things. 
do what it takes to make your ministry the absolute best that it can be. One of the, uh, me and Brother Cole were talking one time, and he said, we were talking about, you know, reading. Because a lot of people say, oh, I hate to read, I hate to read. Well, you better learn to read. You need to. You need to learn to read. You may read slower. That's all right. But you need to learn to open your eyes and look and read. Let Play the Bible app with you while it'll help you when you're reading. If you want to listen to it while you're reading. But you need to read and be able to open a concordance and study word and, and things like that so that you can learn what God's actually saying in this. But me and Brother Cole both, the same, same idea about this is that uh, he, said, he said, I know that when that I'm a much better preacher when I am well read. And that's a fact. If, and I'm not just talking about this. You need to be reading this. But, but when I'm reading other things and other, other books and different things, I'm a much better minister when I am well read. If I have time to read. And, and you know what? Uh, don't go, do any good to just buy a book. You've got to open it up. Now, I'm, I'm the number one about that. I, I'll see books. If we go to Because of the Times, they've got like 20 books on their suggested reading list. And I'm getting all of them. And I, and I do. And then I get home and I got a bookshelf. I, I, you know, I've got 30 books on there I've never read. I don't have time, you know, with this and everything else. But I've got them. I said, one day I'll, I'll get to it, you know. But, uh, but uh, it doesn't do any good to buy a book and never open it up. And everybody's online talking, oh, I just got through with it. It was the best book ever. I'm like, I still ain't opened it yet, man. I got to get through it. <laughs> you know, so, so, but you do the things. You know, you've got to do what it takes to be a minute. I mean, if we could just get how fortunate, blessed, how privileged we are to be able to handle the Word of God and, and what a calling that is, that we would not take it lightly, not you know, lightly esteem this uh, call that God's put on life because this, this helps people get to, get to heaven. This helps people. You know, there's, you'll never hear any sweeter words until you get to heaven when he says, well done. But for someone to come to you with tears in their eyes after they get up off that altar and said, that was exactly what I had to do, what I had to hear today to get me through. Mm. Or you preach a message and you see somebody respond, hit the altar, repent, give their life to God and, and be like, that was exactly what I needed to break through. And you're thinking, man, and I, I just felt like I blew it, you know, but somebody else said, hey, that was exactly what I had to have. And you knew that God entrusted you with that. And, and you see how God used you to help somebody break through. That's the best you will ever, words you'll ever hear in your life. Besides, well done, good and faithful servant. And so, but you're never going to see those results by just halfway doing it. I, I believe in being the best in whatever things we got in this world. If you're on your job, be the best on your job. If you're, you know, uh, Anything, man. I, I don't. I don't like last place and nothing. If I if I was ever playing sports, I wanted to be the best. If it was in school, I wanted to make A's. I wanted to, you know, and, and I did. I graduated with honors. I, I wasn't. I was wild as a buck, but man, I, I I wasn't gonna fail. I couldn't be a flunky. I just couldn't be. I was like, no, I'm gonna be on that honor roll, and I'm gonna, and I did. And people were like, that's crazy, man. How in the world you you drunk four days out of the week? How in the world you pass everything? You know, I, but I, so I did. I, I studied. I, I did what I had to do, and uh, and I passed. You know, I, so I could uh, not just scrape by. I wanted to to make the most of it, and so I did. But this, none of that really it don't even matter. God don't care if I graduate with honors. 
But man, uh, I want to be able to get that robe of righteousness and that crown. I want to I hear him say, well done. And, and to do that, I've got to do well. I've got to do what he wants me to do. And, and if as a minister, I've got to be ready to, to answer this call and then say, okay, I'm going to follow, I'm going to forsake it all so I can follow you. Paul also wrote, there's another uh, scripture that's real big in ministry uh, for preachers anyway. Uh, but in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, Paul said, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead, his appearing and his kingdom. Now, how many times have we heard this? Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Now, we usually leave all the other stuff out and we, and we just leave those little four words. Hey, be instant, in season, out of season. And we think that just means uh, you be ready to preach no matter what time it is. But you know, the word instant means to be present. Now, you can be here and not be present. You ever been with somebody and you look at them and say, man, where are you at? Your body's sitting right here, but you, man, you're off in space somewhere. What's going on? You're not present. And, uh, but he says, you preach the word, be present. No matter what's going on, I've already told you to preach. So that's not, so being instant, it ain't so much about the preaching. He said, you preach, but you be present. You know who you're preaching to. You know what you're preaching about. You know who you're preaching about. You, you know what your ministry is. You be present. You be here. You know, it's just like you can't have a good relationship. Just Somebody can be there, but if, they're never, but if they're never there, we're always together, but they're never there. They're always thinking of something else or thinking about somebody else. Hello. You're not present. You, you, what are you thinking about? You know, uh, that's a, that, that question right there scares people to death. What are you thinking about? Oh, uh, uh, nothing? I wasn't thinking about nothing. That, that, pro, that question is, has probably caused more lies than any other question in the world because people's minds start wandering and, and all of a sudden somebody goes, hey, what do you think about? And you're like, uh, I, can't, I sure can't say what I was thinking. <laughs> As you know, you can't even say what you was thinking about. And if you did, people would be like, what? You got to be present, man. Don't start daydreaming. Don't be mind wandering. Be present, and that means wherever you are, be present. Yeah. On Sundays, don't just be here. Be present. Yes. On Wednesdays, don't just be here. Be present. Realize this is service. This is church. This Sunday, you know, boy. Some of us still remember. It's probably hard to remember now, but. But we don't have near as much church as we used to have. We just don't. I mean, it was two, two services on Sunday. And Sunday was all day into the night. And I'm talking about you got up at like 7 or 8 in the morning because you had to be there uh, early for church because church started at 10. And then you went to eat lunch, come home, took a quick nap, back at 5 for choir practice. Church started at 6, but it didn't end till like 9 I'm talking about three hours. Sunday night service was always three hours. Choir singing, 48 special songs, prayer, people, altar, every, altar call every single service. It didn't matter what it was, altar call. And altar call was, it wasn't just like everybody come down and prayed. I'm talking about when you got down to pray, 
them older saints was on you, they was behind you, and ministry was praying for people, and so it turned into prayer meeting. And so now it's 9 o'clock, and now you're trying to wind down. It's not there. Hey, where are we going to eat? Eat, yes, yeah, 10 o'clock at night. And now we're going to eat, and then, I mean, you know, get in right before they lock the doors at like Wendy's or somewhere, make them mad. You know, we would eat, and then we go. I mean, but, but we just knew that's what you did. It's just what you did because it was one day a week. I mean, come on, it's one day a week. And so Sunday, that's why I said when we come here, man, no, you know, hey, when church is over with, handle whatever's going on. But now for the next few hours, whatever happens, I am here. I'm, I'm not worried about uh, where we're eating. I'm not worried about, you know, going hunting. I'm not worried about going fishing. I'm not worried about anything. I'm, I am going to get here. I'm going to pray. I'm going to preach. I'm going to worship. I'm going to help other people. I'm going to minister in the altars. Whatever it takes, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to lift people up. I'm going to back people up. I'm going to be present. Right. And that's what Paul's telling Timothy. You, 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 your ministry won't be worth a flip. You can preach all day long. He said, preach the word, but be present. Yeah. No matter what else is going on in, now, in season, out of season, yeah. Whatever's happening, that doesn't change what your ministry is. You feeling bad, you still got to have faith in God and, and preach the word. You know, if you're feeling great, awesome. Be present, preach the word. Don't let, don't, in other words, when everything's in season, you're feeling good, don't get, get to feeling so good that you forget, I still got to listen to what God's saying and be present where I realize where you're at in your season in this service. Be present. You know, look around. Listen for the Spirit of the Lord to talk and be present in that service. Then you will be effective. That's why Jesus said in that one place, he said, if you've got an ear to hear, listen. He that has an ear, let him hear what I'm saying. Pay attention. Be present wherever you are. Now, that applies to us, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready because it's just been an hour. I was trying to keep it an hour, but I won't be but just a second more. What does that mean for us here? Now, this is... Those, everything we've covered thus far is for you to examine yourself, pray about it. God, did you really? if you really called me, then I want to be the best. You do that. But now, what does that mean for us here at this church? What, what do we do with that? Well, if you're going to minister in this place at any church, this should be the rule of thumb. You must love this place. Yes. You must love this place, support this place, be present at this place. Yeah. Not just on the week you're supposed to preach. I'm preaching this week. I didn't have to pray or study or do anything. <laughs> well, you know, how are you going to help anybody in the altar then? Right. There's so much more. When we're called to preach, we're not limited to just preaching. We need to be ready to pray. We need to be ready to minister to people and speak a word to people and and you know what, you, who knows what your ministry will actually be, but, but so many people are leaving services and, and stuff unchanged because those of us who have ministry in us are not present enough to realize, hey, I should have been praying with somebody. Yeah. You know, listen, especially for ministry, when the altar call happens, too many times all of us who, who are ministry in, in our saints, even our saints, I wish the, the whole church was here to hear this, but, but listen, when we're saved and full of the Holy Ghost and everything's fine, 
Oh, my goodness, you can't just stand in your seat and, and watch the altar call. Oh, okay. Look at them up there praying. Oh, I don't want to get in nobody's way. Get in the way. Move somebody. If you see somebody just stand, hey, move over. i got to go and pray with somebody. Come, come pray with somebody, but especially us. Listen, ministry, you're going to always put yourself second. You know, there's been times where I needed a word from God and I needed somebody to pray for me, but God called me to minister. And so through confusion and discouragement all week long, now I'm praying for people and stuff because that's what God called me to do. And, and uh, you know, let me tell you, if, if there's a word coming for you, it'll catch you. <laughs> you don't have to stand still. Somebody will, will grab you while you're praying and it'll come to you. But, you know, we, we can't, We've got to learn to say, okay, look, I'll get my stuff together when I'm done ministering. If I don't see anybody else that needs praying for, then, then hey, then I'll get down and start praying. But right now, at the very beginning of this altar call, who needs prayer? Who, 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 who needs prayer? I know one Sunday, I came in, there were two young ladies, and I was praying for one, and the other one was, and this one started crying. I was praying for this, and I was looking, I was like, where is somebody? I was looking around, I was like, I got two. People, and I, I'm trying to talk to both of them and pray to both. I was like, I know there's more people in here that can pray. I said, and I look in the seats and I see people just standing in the seats going. I'm like, I got two ladies here. Somebody needs to pray with them, and I'm trying to pray for both of them, and I I can't even minister to both of them because I'm, I'm hey you hey you back, you know. So that's what it, here be present in these services and and then. Minister, because you're going to minister in every service. I promise you, uh, there's always needs in every service. So every preacher, every minister, uh, every saint of God will have opportunity to minister. They can sit back there and say they didn't all they want to. Every Holy Ghost filled child of God will have an opportunity to pray a prayer of faith with somebody. That, that's every service. So, so that's part of of ministry. Is we read about being making our election sure, uh, and then being instant or being present. That is a requirement for ministry in general, and it is a requirement for ministry in our church. Now, it wouldn't matter if this was uh, Faith Tabernacle, Truth Chapel, Sanctuary of Pentecost, wherever it's at. If it's POA, it don't matter. You you know, you've got to be present where you are because you're a minister. Hey, how come you didn't come pray for nobody today? Well, I didn't preach today. I didn't know if I had to pray for people too. Man, don't, don't make me start coming back to people saying, hey, how come you better start praying? I'm going to be up on this pulpit. I'm going to be like, <laughs> and everybody's going to be like, who, me? I'm like, don't make me turn the mic on. I'll call you by name. Get up here. Why, Pastor? Because. You said you're a minister. Minister to somebody. Pray for them. Preach to them. Help them. Encourage them. Pray them through the Holy Ghost. Lay hands on them. At this church, if you're going to be ministering in this church, you've got to be committed and you have to love the people. If you don't know somebody in this congregation, tomorrow night or Sunday, you go introduce yourself. 
you should know it'll be so that will almost be a weekly thing because hopefully new people will be coming in. But the ministry should be first and up front to greet people and, and introduce themselves and let them know, hey, if I can do anything for you, let me know. Just something like that. You don't have to come up and say, oh, yeah, well, I'm a preacher. I've been preaching five years now and stuff like that. You, you just say, hey, glad to have you here. My name's Ed, and, and what's your name? Okay, great. If I can do anything for you, let me know. Right. Do that. But if you don't love the people you're preaching to, don't preach. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't love the people in this congregation, don't preach. And the way, uh, listen, you've got to have a connection with the people of your local assembly. Yeah. Now, if we had 4,000 people, that's hard. You can't to have a connection with every single person. You, you ain't, it ain't going to happen. But in a congregation our size, and as close as it is, you've got to have some kind of connection with the people because if all we think we are is just a preacher for the people, and I never have anything to say to anybody unless it's across that pulpit, then you're acting like you're a lord over God's heritage. Well, I'm a lord over his people, and the only time they hear from me is when I'm preaching. If the only time you ever they ever hear your voice is when you're preaching, you won't preach much. Because I watch to see if people are connected to their church. And again, I know you're not going to go out to eat with everybody in the church and things like that, but, but when, if church is over and all you get, I'm just out of here. I don't talk to nobody. I don't hang out with nobody. I don't have no friends in my church. Well, then I have to wonder, do you care about your church? And if I have to wonder if you care about them, I don't know that I can let you get right there. And I don't even know if I can let you pray with people because why are you going to pray for somebody you don't care about? Why are you going to pray for somebody you're not connected with? You've got to have connection with your people because uh, we're not above the congregation. We're, we're just in this position that God's called us to, but we're just like everybody else. We are workers together. And so I, I know that I am not a Lord over his people. I'm the pastor of the church, but I have to have connection. And that's why you'll see me when the choir starts singing. I start, a lot of times I start making my rounds and people, I start shaking hands because I know I won't get to see them when church is over. So I start shaking people's hands. I recognize the ones that leave real quick and I go make sure I tell them, hey, I love you, glad to see you today. While during that first song of the choir, I'm usually all over the place trying to make sure that people know I'm here for you instead of just let me come out of my office, preach, as soon as it's done, back to my office and wait for everybody to clear out. I know pastors that do that. And it don't work. You've got to have a connection. So if you're a minister in a church, you've got to mingle. And if you're an introvert, you've got to work through that. Yeah. I, I testify, you've got to, but you've got to make sure that people know, I care about you. We're in this church together. We have to, you, listen, uh, don't you think that Jesus expected his 12 to be dependable. I was going to send people out two by two, but I don't know where they are. I was going to give them authority over devils and to heal the sick and do all kinds of things, but ain't nobody here. He expected them to be dependable, to be ready to be called upon, to be faithful uh, to following him. And listen here, uh, that's, it, it's just, man, that's just good stuff. If you are going to be 
successful in school, on your job, or anything else, that your employer expects you to be dependable, to be ready. If he has to call you in to come in a little early, he likes to know that you could do that, uh, to be faithful, to be on time, and to be engaged at your job. Well, it should be like that here. Be engaged in the service. You're not preaching that week? Man, back up whoever's preaching. Back this choir up while they're singing. And I know some of y'all are double duty, so some of y'all are up here. So choir would say amen. Yeah, back us up. We want somebody. uh, It's tough to sing to a bunch of people who are just sitting down not moving. And it's tough to preach to a group of people who are just sitting down not saying nothing. Back the preacher up. Amen him. Pray for him while he's preaching and, and be engaged. Listen to what he's saying and be paying attention. Be present so you can see. Mm-hmm, he's preaching that person right there. It's getting them. And so I'm going to watch them. If they hit the altar, I'm going to be right there on them. I'm going to pray with them. Stay engaged in the service. And then uh, in, in your church, wherever it is, this is, like I say, these are lessons for any church. Respect the authority, respect each other. That's big. Respect the authority that's in the church. Respect each other. Have respect for each other's ministry. If, if somebody else is over a ministry, don't be trying to tell them how to run their ministry. You know, have respect for people's ministry. And, um, and then also have respect for the guidelines that are set in the local assembly. Yeah. If your pastor says, hey, this is what uh, I expect, then honor that. If the uh, prayer coordinator says, hey, this is what we're going to do in, in prayer today, then have respect to that. If the choir director says, hey, this is what we're going to sing today, then have respect to that. If it's uh, in the youth class or Sunday school class, uh, if it's in media or in drama, whatever it is, whoever's over the drama and they say, hey, this is what the song we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, this is how we're going to lay it out, have respect to that because that's their ministry and we're all workers together. They're in that for a reason. I wrote this in the front of my first Bible that I ever preached out of, and I think it was that first one. It was one of those that was in there. I think it was the one I was looking in, but the Lord just, I remember writing this, and I remember after reading and praying one day, and I wrote, my service for the Lord is my passion, not my pastime. That's, that'll make something, that'll be a good pillow decoration be a good refrigerator magnet be something good for you to put in front of your bible and something that you remember that my service for god this ministry he's called me to that's my passion it better be your passion and not just your pastime something to, uh, something i do on the weekends Mm-mm. you better be ready to, to minister at any point at any time in, in in our church as ministers in this church you need to make sure you are working on personal consecration so you can develop your ministry and keep you ready for what, may, what might ever come. You never know. What if somebody does call me one day and says, hey, you mind if so-and-so comes and preach for me this weekend? And I have to tell them, I think they're ready for that. Well, now, if it's, you just started preaching a, a week ago, I, I would tell them you're not ready for that. But, well, they've been around for a while, but I just see they're not growing and not doing because they're, they're not, not ready for it. I'm not going to send you out somewhere where you can go and, and, and hurt yourself or hurt somebody else's congregation. So be ready for whatever might come. You've got to be devoted to your call mm-hmm. as much, not, not as much, more 
than any other aspect of your life, be devoted to that call. You and I, all saints of God, but ministry especially, we have an image to uphold. We're made in his image, so there's always an image for every saint to uphold. But as ministers, if, if those that labor in word are worthy of double honor, then you've got to believe there is a standard set for ministry, that they conduct themselves in certain ways because you will kill your ministry if you just act a fool. Yeah, a little folly can destroy, as Scripture says, just a little folly can destroy those that are in reputation. Just let somebody, let somebody famous get caught beating their spouse or doing drugs or something like that, gone. All them TV preachers that were so famous, let them get caught with a prostitute or something like that, whew, they're gone. Ended like that, just over with. All these people falling away, people, nobody, all that fame, fortune, all that, it's gone. Everything's gone. You've got to protect yourself. The Bible says that a good name is rather to be chosen. You make sure that you keep yourself with a good name. And the way you do that is you are mindful of who you are, mindful of your calling, do things so that people know, hey, they're, they're committed. Um, here at church, you know, I, I, listen, I'm the king of casual. I love casual. Uh, uh, you know, I, on Wednesdays, I never wear a tie. Um, and old Chris put me to shame last time he preached. He come in with a suit and tie on. I'm up, up here without a tie on. I'm like, I should have told him to take that off. But, <laughs> but, but it used to be now, you didn't go to church. You didn't get on the platform. You didn't get behind the pulpit without a tie on. It didn't happen. That was years ago. That doesn't, you know, a tie doesn't make a preacher. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like that. But listen, as ministry, I still think that we should maybe do you know, maybe go a little extra step sometimes so that people realize I am in ministry. Um, if you're working with the kids on Wednesday night, hey, that's different. But if you're going to be uh, teaching or preaching on Wednesday night, then you need to dress nice. You don't need blue jeans with holes in them and things like that. And I've never seen anybody do that. But, you know, you don't want to be too casual. You know, I'm not going to come up here with a Star Wars T-shirt on and preach. I'm not going to wear uh, workout clothes to, to minister and preach from the pulpit. I'm not going to do it. Uh, and I don't expect any of our people to do that. You know, uh, Monday night prayer, we're casual, and we do casual on Wednesday because people come straight from work and things like that, so we try to make people not feel out of place. But in ministry, you need to make sure you just, you know, do take some care toward how you appear in the house of the Lord, and especially if you go somewhere else. God forbid that somebody else calls you to come preach, and I'll say, yeah, that's good, go preach. And they call me up and say, man, that dude, come up here. He was wearing like a Flash Gordon T-shirt and blue jeans and tennis shoes. I'd be like, oh, I don't know who he was. <laughs> you can keep him. Just let him stay. <laughs> so uh, we do have an image to uphold. So let's present ourselves better. Let's behave ourselves. Behave ourselves. If you are in ministry, behave yourself on Facebook. Behave yourself on Instagram. Behave on social media. Don't get in, in uh, you know, fights and disagreements and things like that. Just, just leave that stuff alone. Don't do that. Um, be a leader in the service, whether you're preaching or not. Yeah. Lead in worship. 
you know, we've got a lot of, we've got great worship here and a lot of people who step out and worship and, and I'm thankful for that. Always do that. If you're not preaching that day or not doing something that day, then you worship. Yeah. What you feel, whatever position you're in, uh, you be there to pray, you be there in your devotion, in your giving and everything. Be an example in every bit of it. Because, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're a minister and, this, and, and you are part of this church, then you should love this church, support this church in every way possible. Be there. Be faithful to your church. Now, the scripture says that judgment would begin first at the house of God. Yeah. Well, if you can believe, if it's going to start at the house of God, then ministry is going to be accountable for what either they do or don't do. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there's in the house of God, the ministry is where the preaching, the teaching.